Pray with me, please. Our Father in heaven, we come to you this morning with heavy hearts. We've lost two men out of our congregation, and they are with you now. But we will miss them, and we mourn their loss, but we cherish their saving. Father, we lost Henry Harris, and we lost Mike Hayhurst, hardworking men who worked in this congregation and worked hard. Thank you so much for the time we had with them, and we trust that they are now with you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to come together to listen to a portion of your word, to gain strength from each other, and to strengthen the bond of love that we have for everyone in this congregation. Father, we ask that you heal all of our sick. We have many. I won't try to name them all. We have cancer concerns. We have surgical concerns. We just need your healing hand, Father. It is the ultimate healing. And Father, we ask you to please heal our country of COVID-19 and heal the earth of COVID-19. We need your strength and your healing power in that stead. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of the teachings that he left with us so that we could draw closer to you. And we thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that you place within us, which guides us every day, every step of our life. And it is such a strength that we can draw from. Father, we thank you for our first responders. We need them, our police, our fire people, our military, those who strive to keep us safe, those who've dedicated their lives to the safety of our population. Father, go with us now. Let us put the cares of the world, the temptations of the world, out of our mind. Let us concentrate on the sermon that we're about to receive. Let us learn. And then when we leave here, let us show you to the world. Let our light shine so that people can understand the joy of becoming a child of yours. Father, all these prayers we ask in the name of your Son and our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. to get us to reflect on what we're about to partake in, that the sacrifice that the Lord had made for us by sending his son for the forgiveness of our sins so that, that we could one day be with him in heaven and back out of our, our daily lives and the things that bother us in this world and the things that concern us in this world and just 
clean your mind of those things. I often get up and read uh, scriptures related to the Lord's Supper, but today I want to do something a little different to, to kind of get our hearts and minds in the right place to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. So I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And it reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that, those verses there are related to what our Lord has done for us, where he paid the price for our sins and asks us and implores us to focus on being ones who can generate the fruit of the Spirit. Will you bow with me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time grateful for the gift of your Son, the plan that you put in place eons ago to give us forgiveness so that we can be with you. We ask that you allow us to remember that sacrifice, turn us into better people, help us do the right things. As always, remember the great gift that was given to us so that we can show what it is to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us continue in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this fruit of the vine that represents your son's blood that was spilled on the cross, that pours over us and washes away our sins and gives us the forgiveness and the strength to make up for the mistakes that we make and give us the motivation and the willingness to keep trying to do what is right and good in your eyes. Always be with us as we plod through this world. In Jesus' name, amen. time we'd like to say a, a prayer for the offering we like to be thankful for everything that the Lord has given to us and we're thankful for this time that we have that we can return part of what, what we've been blessed with shall we pray our God and our Father thank you for this beautiful day that we have thank you for for this place that we can come here and that, that we can worship you we pray that our we pray that our worship will always be acceptable to you. At this time, Father, we we this we've set aside to, to 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 reflect on everything that you've given to us and the opportunity we have to return part of that so that the church here can continue to grow and the money can be used wisely. As we give, help us to give willfully and cheerfully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There are no slides for this one other than the lyrics, but I'm sure we all know it. Blue sky. So here we go. Are y'all ready? We're about to experience the two biggest opposites you can have in the Bible. We're about to experience one person's greatness 
that is compared to no one else. And we're about to experience the fall of a nation, a godly nation, the fall of God's people in a way that it is not defined. It's, it's not defined any clearer in the Bible than what I'm going to read you today. So with that being said, here's the warning. We don't have children's church. Some of this scripture is going to say things um, that I'm not going to explain in detail. But for those of us who are older, we'll know exactly what it's talking about. It's not going to hide anything today. Okay? So I just want to put that warning out there now. Um, because that's where we're at. Alright? So, if you remember, because we've had several holidays in the midst of this part of the series. If you remember the last time we spoke about the faithfulness of the Lord, we were in the time of the reign of Hezekiah. Right? Hezekiah had come on stage, Isaiah had also come on stage, and we were talking about how Judah and Israel were at a terrible place. Israel was being destroyed by Assyria, and Judah was at a, at a terrible place as well. And yet here is God through the prophet Isaiah, one of the most important prophets in all of the Old Testament, one of the most quoted prophets in all of the Old Testament, and he's starting his promise of the Messiah in the midst of destruction. Please understand that timeline. So important. God's people are going through one of the worst times in their lives. One of the worst times in their existence. And God's promising them a Messiah. He's reminding them. Despite where you're at, despite what you're going through, despite what you've brought upon yourself, I'm still faithful and the Messiah is still coming. Okay? Just a quick reminder to catch us up. So, Hezekiah has died, and he's being replaced. Remember, Hezekiah went, and he tore down everything. He tore down all the Asher poles. He tore down everything. Tore, he, he desecrated the, holy, the, the pagan holy spots all through Israel, right? He brought Israel back to God in a way, in Judah, excuse me. He brought Judah back to God in a way that had not been done. Since the time of Solomon, that was what the scripture just, that's what the scripture said in the last sermon we did. So now Hezekiah has died. This is where it starts. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. Notice again, still being reigned by children, right? Remember that? We talked about that a couple weeks ago too, that Judah was going to start being reigned by children. Okay? Ruled by children was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hezdebah. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Who's that he's talking about? The Canaanites. For he rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. And he erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah as Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord has said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his sons as an offering and used fortune-telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. Stop. Anybody seen any correlation with the culture that we live in today? How many shows are about people who can talk to dead people? How many shows are about people who can see the future? Right? We won't get into, we won't get too far into that. I just want you to think about it. Think about where we're at in our own culture. Think about how similar we are to this place. And this is not a good place. Judah is not in a good place. He did, he did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And the carved image of the Asherah that he had made, he set in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. So they've got idol worship going on, 
literally in the temple of God. We're going to get a closer look at that when we get to Ezekiel. He's really going to spell that out. We're going to be able to see that for what it is too. And I will not cause the feet of Israel to wander anymore out of the land that I gave to their fathers. If only they will be careful to do according to all that I have commanded them. And I will not, let me read this again, verse 8, and I will not cause the feet of Israel to wander anymore out of the land that I gave to their fathers. Where have we seen this before? What about when we transition from David to Solomon? Didn't we see this exact same thing? God said to Solomon, if you just follow in the footsteps of your father, if you just pursue me the way your father did, I will make your reign eternal. I will make your bloodline eternal. I will make Israel eternal. He's saying basically the same thing right here, right? If Israel would just turn, if Judah would just turn, what's going to happen? He's going to protect their land. And according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them, but they did not listen. And Manasseh led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. You remember how we started this months ago? With that question, why? If God is so loving, if God is so good, why would he tell his people to destroy everything in the land of Canaan? Remember what we discussed during those times? Remember the terrible practices, the abominations that were going on in Canaan? Do you realize what the scripture is saying about the people of God at this point in their history, in their existence? They're actually worse. They didn't just become what they were praying to escape from. They didn't just become the oppressors. They became worse than the oppressors. They became worse than what God told. Spare nothing. Amon was 22 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulamath, the daughter of Haraz, of Jotba. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh, his father, had done. He walked in all the way in which his father walked and served the idols that his father served and worshipped them. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. And the servant of Ammon conspired against him and put the king to death in his house. And did that make the people happy? Nope. The people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. Now, enter what the scripture is going to tell us in a minute was potentially the greatest king of all of Israel. The greatest king of all of Judah. And yes, I did that on purpose this time. Josiah. Yet again, another young man. You imagine an 18-year-old running this country right now? I heard, I heard that somewhere. I'm not going to repeat what I just heard. Um, I'm sorry, Josiah was 8 years old, not 18. Let me correct myself. That gives him 10 more years of experience in the world. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah and daughter of Adiah of Boscoth. I promise you sometimes they just put this in. Like the Lord knew we were going to speak English one day. He's like, this is going to be great. Wait till we get to one of these next verses. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Man, that just sounds so awkward. It sounds so weird anymore. It sounds so um, 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 not like the history we've been reading. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in all the way of David, his father. And he did not, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Saphon, the son of Azaliah, son of Mushalem, 
the secretary of the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkai, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people, and let it be given into the land of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house. That is, to the carpenters and to the builders and to the masons. And let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked for them, from them for the money that is delivered into their hand. For they deal honestly. Hey, the people who are in charge of keeping up with the temple, those are the honest people. Take the money that's been collected, give it to them, restore the temple. Restore it. Josiah says, let's restore the temple. Everybody else has been using it to worship pagan gods. Everybody else has been using it to do everything but what they were supposed to do in the temple. Josiah says, let's restore the temple. And the high priest, as he's going through, collecting all the money, figuring out everything, he stumbles across something they forgot about. Right? He says, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. What is the book of the law? Yeah, it's the first five books of the Bible. It's the Bible. <laughs> it's the Bible. He's found it. He's found the Bible. The high priest, is this registering? The high priest has found the Bible. That's like you guys coming to church and me going, hey, you know what's funny? I was digging in my uh, garage yesterday, and you know what I found for the first time? I haven't read it in years. The Bible. He's found it. You ready? He's found the Bible. When the, okay, so he takes it back to to Josiah, and Josiah says, you need to read this to me. You need to read this to me. And, when they, and this is what it says. I'm skipping down to verse 11, because if I don't, we'll never get out of here, because I'm telling you, this, this sermon just got me all fired up. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, Josiah, he tore his clothes. Why did he tear his clothes? Maybe because he realized for the first time in his entire life how far gone they were. Maybe for the first time in his life he realized not just how far gone they were, but what God said would happen to them if they got this far gone. Nobody's reading the Bible. God's people, nobody's reading the Bible. The king of God's people doesn't even know what the Bible says. He's hearing it for the first time. So he says, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. The words of this book. What, they don't even know the name of it? For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So this is that scripture I was talking about. So I'm going to read it for you just for fun. So Hilkiah, the priest of Hakim and Akbor and Saphin and Asiah, went to Hudal, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. By the way, keeper of the wardrobe just means that she was responsible for keeping all the king's clothes clean and helping dress the king. And they talked with her. And, he, and she said to them, by the way, prophetess, by the way, just want to throw that out there too. There were women of God in the Old Testament too. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants. All the words of the book of, that the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be kindled against this place and it will not be quenched. So I just want you to, I want to point out something before we go any further. Josiah's doing what God wanted Solomon to do. Okay, let's not forget that. Josiah is doing what God wanted Solomon to do. Josiah is doing what God just asked under Manasseh, the people of, of Judah, to do. Okay, but at this point in time, you know what else it is? It's too late. 
It's too late. Okay? That doesn't mean people can't repent. That doesn't mean people can't be saved. But the consequences are coming. It's too late. It's too late. That's what she's saying. But this is what he says about Josiah. But the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard. Because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse. And you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. So they went and told Josiah that. So then what does Josiah do? He gets everybody together and says, everybody come here, you got to hear something. Right? Go get everybody. And it says, and he read in their hearing, I'm in the middle of it, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. Look at this. With all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. Now, now we're going to see how far gone they were. Okay? And when we get to certain points, you might be shocked. You might not. But I know every time I read this part of scripture, I'm shocked. So, Josiah decides he's going to do exactly what Hezekiah did. And he's going to go back and he's going to destroy everything. Not just the stuff Manasseh has rebuilt, but everything that's never been destroyed. Even the stuff Hezekiah didn't destroy. Okay? And the king commanded Hilkai, the high priest, and the priest of the second order, and the keepers of the threshold to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels made for Baal, for Asherah, and all the hosts of heaven. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And he disposed the priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places at the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem. I think you guys know what disposed mean, right? Those, if you're wondering, you're going to get an even closer look in a minute. Those also who burn incense to Baal, to the sun, the moon, and the constellations, and all the hosts of heaven. Starting to ring more bells in our own culture? Anybody you know think the sun and the moon and the constellations reveal their future? Anybody run around and talk about what their sign is and act like it depends on your sign to how you're going to be in life? Right? These are the types of things. They might seem normal. They might seem like not that big of a deal. The Bible thinks they're a big deal. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the brook Kidron and burned it at the brook Kidron and beat it to dust and cast the dust of it upon the graves of the common people. Why would he do that? To desecrate it. You have to understand that in the pagan religions, you can't have bones. You can't have dead people, right? It goes along with some of the law in the Old Testament, right? When a woman gave birth, she couldn't go into the temple for so long. There had to be a time of, of cleansing, right? Because what she had just done was not the cleanest thing, okay? Look at verse 7. And he broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were where? In the temple of the Lord. Where were they housed? In the temple of the Lord. Right? Anybody shocked yet? I am. And he defiled Topeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or his daughters at an as an offering to Molech. What's Molech? Anytime you see somebody worshiping an owl, they're worshiping Molech. What do you do to worship Molech? 
And he removed the horses that the king of Judah had dedicated to the sun at the entrance of the house of the Lord. Anybody know anybody who worships the sun? By the chamber of Nathan, Melech, the chamberlain, which was in the precincts. And he burned the chariots of the sun with fire and the altars on the roof of the upper chamber of Ahaz. Remember Ahaz? Which the kings of Judah had made and the altars that Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He pulled down and broke in pieces and cast the dust of them into the brook Kedron. It's not done yet. You know why? Because it's that full of filth, you guys. This is Judah. This is supposed to be the better of the two kingdoms, right? Look at all the stuff Josiah has to do. It's not like they just strayed a little bit. They're gone. They don't even know what the Bible says anymore. And the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built. How are they still there? We're hundreds and hundreds of years from Solomon. How is something he built to a pagan god still there in the midst of the land of God's people? Ashroth, the abomination of the Sidonians. And for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. And for Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Remember those people? These are the neighboring countries. These are part of Canaan that was not fully driven out. What has it done? It's taken over God's people. And he broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the ashram and filled their places with the bones of men. Why? To desecrate it. Moreover, the altar at Bethel, the high place erected by Jeroboam, the son of Nebet, who made Israel to sin, that altar with the high place he pulled down and burned, reducing it to dust. He also burned the Asherah. Notice that's everywhere. What's the Asherah? Do some research. If there weren't so many kids in the room, I'd explain it to you more. It just has to do with fertility. Worship of fertility. And Josiah removed all the shrines also to the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which kings of Israel had made, provoking the Lord anger. He did to them according to all that he had done at Bethel, and he sacrificed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Now let me tell you something. If that part rubs you a little bit wrong, imagine walking into a place Right now, common day, where there was an instrument where people worshiped God by killing children. Would you have pity on those people? Josiah did not. In fact, to me, he gave them about the best justice they could deserve. How many innocent children have been killed at these men and women's hands in the name of worship to God? They got what was coming to them. Look at this part. I promise you we're almost done. And the king commanded all the people, keep the Passover of the Lord your God as it is written in this book of the covenant. Why? This part, it catches me by surprise. Every time I read it, it's like, it's like so hard to believe. For no such Passover had been kept since the days of the judges who judged Israel. Not one king. You realize that? Not Saul, not David, not Solomon, nobody, not one king had kept the Passover. Now, let's bring this again into modern day. Imagine coming to church and not having communion. Like, not, not every week, like, never. You think that would affect your life? I mean, for those of us who have been in Christianity for a while, is communion not, like, seriously one of the most important things that we do? Does it not center you spiritually like every single week? If it doesn't, engage your heart next time. Engage your mind and see what it does. That's what the Passover was to Israel. 
It was that reminder that no matter what they were against, that no matter how far down and out they seemed, that they had the real God and that's all they needed. They didn't do that from the time they had a king. They weren't reading their Bible. They weren't taking communion. They weren't in the word at all. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was kept to the Lord in Jerusalem first time since Saul. Moreover, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods, household gods, ancestor gods. Know anybody that worships ancestors? Goes to places to talk to their dead ancestors? Maybe sometimes get answers? And the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Before him there was, listen to this, before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his might. Is that ringing a bell for anybody? Remember when the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they said, hey, uh, what's the greatest command? Remember what he said? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and what? And through those two things, you'll fulfill the whole law. People want to make it complicated. It's simple. And it says that he did this in a way, according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. He, this is the king. This is the most godly king in the Old Testament. Why am I stressing that? Because some of you might be a little uncomfortable with that. And you're like, well, if Josiah is so great, then why was Jesus born through David? Right? Why am I stressing that? Because Josiah is the first king since God promised to Solomon that actually did what God wanted. But it was too late. It was too late. Still the Lord did not turn from the burning of his great wrath. It's too late. By which his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations, which we just read. Pretty good laundry list, right? Imagine if you walked in the church and our church had that kind of laundry list. Would you stick around very long? Would you think you found the holy place? Would you think you found the people who knew God really well? Would you see Jesus in your neighbor? And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight as I have removed Israel. And I will cast off this city that I have chosen, Jerusalem, and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. And the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were, who were in Anath, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. Notice we went backwards a little bit. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Guess what, guys? This is it. This is it. Jeremiah's coming. Jeremiah does what? Jeremiah goes with Judah where? In the captivity. This is it. And that's where we'll start next week, two weeks from now. Where Jeremiah steps in. We're getting close to the end of a series 
that started out being five to six weeks and has turned into months. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been enlightening. I hope you've learned something new. I hope you also see the similarities that we're surrounded with every single day. Because I've told you, and I'll tell you again, the playbook has not changed. Good is always good, and bad is always bad. The way it comes at us might be different, but good and bad don't change. See it for what it is. God calls it out so plainly in his scripture, especially in what I just read to you. So take home number one, they lost the Bible. Think about it. They lost the Bible. They forgot their origin story. What's the first five books? It's the origin story of mankind. It's how Israel became a nation. Through Abraham. It's the promise of God to his people. They lost their origin story. They were no longer connected to their history. They forgot who they were. And because of that, they lost their way and they became not as bad. Not as bad as the Canaanites. Not as bad as the people that God said, kill every man, woman, child, and animal connected to this group of people. Right? Still hard to say it. They became worse. They became worse. Take home number two. I want you to understand. This is the low. It's, it's going to get better from here, not worse. This is the bottom. This is the lowest of the lows. This is God's people doing pure evil in the sight of the Lord. And he's named all the ways they've done it. So we go back to the sermon series, right? So how faithful is God? How faithful is God? Let me tell you how faithful God is. To the Jew first and then the Gentile, what do I mean by that? The people we just read about are the first ones to receive the gospel, the first ones to receive salvation in the bloodline of the Messiah. You know why? Because Israel was so good, because Judah was so good, we should all want to be like Israel and Judah. If this church comes, becomes Israel and Judah, we better leave. Because God is good. Because God is true to his word. And if he says something, he means it. And if he means it, it's going to happen, and you can take it to the bank. Look, the lies are the same. The world is trying to trick you. The world is trying to fill you with doubt. Make you question whether God is real. You know it. You know it in your heart of hearts. You know it in your gut. You know it in your experience. You know that God is real. Not only that, you know that the Bible is truth. and could have only come from God because nothing could be so right. Don't be led astray. Don't neglect the word of God. Take communion serious. It centers me every week. Listen, I am just as weak as everybody, and I am just as strong as everybody. I have my good days and my bad days. I have my moments of amazing faith, and I have my moments of doubt. I have my moments of question. I've had my dark times, and I've had my light times, right? Communion centers me every week. Don't neglect the Passover. Don't just let it become a cracker and a cup of juice in a Ziploc bag. It's way more than that. Cling to Jesus, people. Cling to him. He is the only way to salvation. He is the only way to heaven. And everything you wish life could be, he's the only way to experience it. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the watery grave of baptism, dying to yourself, making, acknowledging that death to yourself, surrendering to God? Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that part of God which helps us discern this crazy world? 
which helps us see clearly right from wrong. Are you in his word? You know what's amazing to me? I have literally spent close to 30 years of my life studying the Bible, and I would say, in a lot of ways, harder than most people. I have forgot as much as I've learned. That's why you can't neglect it. And are you living faithfully? Faith without works is dead. Don't become a people that acknowledge God, but don't live for him. That's the slippery slope. Where are you at today? There is no other way to the Father except through the Son. Have you made that commitment in your life? If there is a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. With this great nation founded upon people persecuted that wouldn't deny Christ, that came over here and set a foundation for a nation founded on your word. But once again, like Israel and Judah of old, we find ourselves in a bad spot. Like Matt said, we're close to the bottom, but the main thing is your word will be done and you're God and you're in control. We just have to listen to you. We might go through bad times, but we just got to listen to you. That's all that matters. In Jesus' name, amen. I take the blame for missing a song. Grant had a song that didn't have a slideshow, and I left a slide out. Um, and I will stand up for Grant in one thing. It's not that he's lost, that we've lost our songbooks here. He actually goes to a place where they sing more of the songbook than we sing here. Ray has that same kind of deal. What Ray knows this many songs compared to what we know, and, uh, and Paul Eccles the same way. And to be honest, maybe it's time to catch up, learn some songs that we don't know and stuff. So uh, keep that in mind. We're going to do that. Um, Matt, thank you for the timely lesson. Uh, we've just came out of a time where, you know, it's been a, it's been a pandemic, but it's also been a kind of a spiritual famine. Uh, and we've talked about that in Sunday morning class in here as we parallel coming out of Babylon, coming, coming out of that. I can only imagine them losing the Word of God, you know, things that are very simple, and they forgot about it. And uh, that's why it's so important, it was important to the Jews to pass it on to their kids, pass it on to their grandkids. Make sure they understood what God did for them, why we kept the festivals and stuff like that. That's why it's so important for us. Pass it on to your kids, pass it on to your grandkids. Not just hope it gets done. Take the responsibility because there can come a time where uh, things like that happen. I guess it's also a time to, for me to admit that I lost my Bible. Uh, we bought Bibles when I got married. My Bible got lost somewhere here in the building. I use an electronic Bible, so I don't really miss the Bible Bible. I just miss the black book with my name on it. So if anybody ever finds my Bible, I know, an elder without a Bible, it just seems weird. But anyways, if you ever find my Bible, I'll uh, pay a bounty on that thing. So just to have it back. It's in probably pretty bad shape, but it's missing. So anyways, thanks for joining us here on Orange Carpet or on your own Orange Carpet at home, wherever you may be. So a few announcements this morning. Uh, Ike Gornflow, that's Courtney Wall's dad. Ike uh, had kidney cancer, and they took out that cancer this summer, uh, last summer. Uh, they went back to, uh, this week with a PET scan to check an area that, um, that they're concerned with. It hasn't really grown much. That's good news. He'll go back for another PET scan in September. So keep Ike and uh, Courtney's family all in your prayers. Uh, as Lex said in his prayers earlier, we lost two of our brothers. We lost two of our own this, this week. Uh, Mike Hayhurst passed away on Sunday. Um, Mike and Arlene, well, he lost Arlene back last summer. Uh, Mike and Arlene were, uh, they're fun people. That's, that's what I can say. And they were here. Uh, Mike was a good for a laugh. We had a men's Bible study for a while in uh, room nine, and Mike was a part of that. He always had uh, something good to say. Uh, I appreciate his flashing, flashy dressing. My ties never can compare to Mike Hayhurst's ties. Um, and I try, trust me. So um, I like his mustache too. But anyways, uh, we'll miss Mike. And we also lost uh, Hank Harris this week. Hank Harris has been a part of the North Board Congregation for a very, very, very long time. 
when we had our 50th anniversary here, one of the pictures I remember is Hank with a shovel as he, uh, with the breaking of the ground right here. Uh, but Hank, I think Hank was probably here. He wasn't one of the original members, but he came pretty close after the wood, didn't he? So Hank was here, you know, Hank's been a part of this congregation for over 50 years. Um, uh, Hank served as an elder here. Uh, his wife, I know, taught Bible classes. They were very, very involved here. Uh, a lot of the people that are here that are my age or maybe even older uh, had a, were very much influenced by Hank and Brenda over the years. So uh, we're going to have a memorial for Hank this Tuesday night. It'll be right here. Five o'clock is visitation. At six o'clock will be the, worship, uh, the memorial service, celebration of his life, and that's going to be followed by a fellowship meal. Uh, if you can be a if you can participate in that fellowship meal, if you can bring food or whatever, call Betty. Her phone number is on Facebook. It's on the announcement slides. If you didn't catch that earlier, you can probably catch it on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, find a way to find Betty. She was organizing that whole thing. So please be a part of that if you can, or if that fits with your own parameters and such. Um, the shoemates are out of town still today. Uh, the Ablins are handling the uh, preparations for that, so they are packing bread after services. If you're usually a part of that or you want to help, um, they're going to do that back in the back. So please join that. See Marcia, see Clayton to organize that bread. Food pantry is tomorrow, 1 to 3. If you're usually a part of that deal, you probably got a time slot of what you do. If not, show up between 1 and 3. Carry some bags, uh, hand stuff to the people as they drive through. It's always a great way to help the community. A reminder tonight at 5 we have worship here. It's mask required. Uh, it's recording of this morning's service. Uh, last week we had about a dozen people. Um, so some of the people as I've talked to them, that's something that they're interested in is with that mask. They're not quite ready to venture out with bigger crowds. They're not quite ready to just go back to what we normally call normal. Uh, so that's at 5. If you'd like to join us, come join us. Wednesday night at 7, it's back to Wednesday night. It's going to stay at Wednesday night, most likely. Um, Wednesday night at 7, we're going to have Bible study in here. Uh, Mike's back to teaching in the book of James. Um, we have a live class in here with the microphones in place. We also have the chat window on Facebook and YouTube if you want to participate that way. And we have several people that do and liven up the class. We're thankful to have them. So that's about it. Um, thanks for joining us this morning. Stay faithful until we can meet again.